Last week was an important message for me, and I actually even like last week's sermon. Believe it or not, I thought it was great. Check that out. And so uh, how many times have you heard me say that? Uh, But last week, I felt like it was great, mostly because I felt like it was really actually prophetic for our church. What I mean by that is last week we talked about three things, and uh, it was all about greater things. And we said that it's important that people will, will hear the call of God on their life, that they'll see the call of God on their life, and they'll, be, and they'll do the call of God on their life. And basically, we just said that you will hear, you will see, you will do greater things. And um, I want to make sure that you understand this. This is not an inspirational message, although it may be. <coughs> I believe that this is a very prophetic message in that um, God is calling you to do great things for Him. And it's like one of those old verses that maybe like have quoted so much that it's kind of been whitewashed. But I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, isn't a joke. It's a real thing. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, a plan to prosper you, to give you hope and a future. And so I I speak that over you today to remind you that there is someone bigger than you that is calling you and that has a purpose, a divine purpose for your life. Your days are not done yet. You may have had some dark hours, but I want you to know that God is going to lead you into great things while you're still breathing on this earth. So the disciples, um, when they started this, this is last week, so I'm going to recap for like six minutes, if that's cool. Last week, we talked about how the disciples, the first thing that happens is, is Jesus calls them. And the first moment that you begin to recognize that God is divinely calling you, something happens. I feel like it's like your heart will burn or explode, and you'll just recognize that I'm connecting right now on another level with someone doing something big in my life. I feel like your heart burns. It's the only way I can explain it. It's like if you fall in love with a human. Um, there's just like this romance that happens and you're willing to give up and do anything. Like you just know something big is happening. And I feel like that's what happens when God begins to call you. And so this, this crazy moment happens when Jesus met this guy named Nathaniel. He recognized Nathaniel from afar off and Nathaniel never saw him or met him before. And Jesus spoke to him as if he already knew him. And it, it really kind of disturbed Nathaniel because he was, Jesus was calling him the same way he called me the first time I heard it and the same way he's called many of you. And Jesus looked at him and, and uh, in, in verse 48 of John chapter 1, uh, Nathaniel said to him, how do, you, how do you know me? And Jesus said, before Philip called you, you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathaniel said, man, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. It's because he's like identifying how do you know me? How do you know that there's this plan for my life? And, and Jesus said, because I said I saw you under the fig tree, you believe? Man, you're going to see greater things than this. And so last week we kind of said this was a prophetic message for our church, mainly because I believe that many of us have forgotten that greater things are still to come. And uh, man, I, I, there's, I, I pray that over us, that we're not dead. Someone said that um, 
Every man dies, but few people ever live. I believe that we come alive when we realize that something bigger is supposed to happen in my life, that greatness is, is on the horizon, and I'm chasing it. And I, I, you have to know that God is calling you to do something. And the last thing I want to say is that, um, for I know the plans I have for you, for many are called, but few are chosen. Uh, and then Jesus made this crazy statement to the disciples, and and it really bothers me and convicts me and encourages me. And let me remind you what your Savior said to you and to me. Most assuredly, I love that he says that because I'm, 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 I want you to know I'm real about this. I say to you that he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Let me stop there. The works that I do, I don't know if you can think of some of the works that Jesus did, but he, he healed. He fed people without having the provision. He created the provision. He, he met with individuals that were unloved and rejected, and he met the need in perfect moments. I mean, the works that Jesus did, I don't know if you're dialed into any of the scriptures, but there is not a human that's ever walked the face of the earth that have done the things that Christ Jesus has done. And what he is saying, if I'm reading this right, is that I'm supposed to, and you're supposed to, do greater than him. Now that's a call that I want to own up to, and that's a call that I want to speak out over our church, that we should do greater, and we're called to do greater than him. And I think that this is the call of every leader. Every great leader wants the people behind them to exceed what they're doing. And I think that this is what Jesus is saying, is that you can do greater things than me. What is that? What is God calling you to do? Is it, is it financial? Are, are you supposed to lead a business? Or are you supposed to have a greater financial status in your life? And is it God just calling you to manage your finances more? Is he calling you back to wholeness? Like to be complete and fully hole in your heart where you're not broken or shattered or feeling like you are rejected or alone. Uh, what is he calling you to do? Is he, is he calling you to, to the miraculous and the signs and wonders and to reach other people? Is he calling you into a relationship with someone else? Um, and what is it that God, what is greater for you? What's your next level? And I ask you this because man, if you can't see your next step, you're in a bad spot. You're, 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 you're stuck and you're staying and that's not where God's calling you. I believe that we all should be looking and speaking over our life as if there is somewhere tomorrow that I'm going to, that there are greater days ahead. Does this make sense? Please understand, if you're not called to greater things, well, that's going to sound kind of harsh. Maybe we'll take this off the podcast. Don't come to my church. Why? Because if you're not going to anything greater, I don't want to be with you. I'm, I mean that. I want to do great things, and I want to be surrounded by people that are doing great things. Because when I'm surrounded by the people that are doing great things, it encourages me to be greater. Honest to God, most of you will know it. Some of the reasons why I, I am inspired to be a passionate person, it's because I'm walking with other people that are doing fantastic. I love our stories and hearing what God's doing in our lives. Please know there's a better tomorrow. There's more. There's more. There's more. My Savior said it. If he said it, I'm doing it. If I'm doing it, you're doing it. We're all doing it. We're all doing greater things. There we go. Okay, great. 
I'm going to pray and we're going to get started. That was, last, that was the recap. That was just the recap. I'm nervous. Here we go. Jesus, help. Amen. It's an intimidating thing to stand up here, uh, especially when it talks about the, the, the call of God on your lives, because you know what, I, I, when, I, when I hear this, I can hear the pushback in many of your spirits. And that's hard to fight against, to try to get you to a point where you'll believe that you can, because you haven't, because you didn't, because you don't want to try again. That sucks, and that's not what God wants for your life. If you can't see what he sees when he looks at you, you're not understanding why he came to the cross for you. You are worth it. He gave it all because you're worth it. You have to believe that. And you're worth it because he wants to do, he said that it's, it's for your own good that I go away so that the Holy Spirit can come. Jesus came and died so that way you would be great and you would represent him amongst an earth. What's great is that Jesus left so that way he would leave the 70 of us here in this room right now to be 70 Jesuses on this earth. That's pretty awesome for the kingdom of heaven if we're willing to own up and be who he's calling us to be and to carry greater things. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. My point number one today is this. Greater has a name. Uh, when I, when I, what I mean by that is that when Jesus called Peter, he spoke to Peter um, that was not currently someone great and saw the potential in someone that was not very great. My favorite thing about Peter, honestly, I feel like I am a lot like Peter. What I mean by that is that Peter oftentimes didn't say the right thing. He oftentimes didn't do the right thing. He was so daggone passionate that most of the time he made an idiot out of himself because he was so wanting to love God. He was wanting to overprotect God or he was wanting to over, he was overzealous. And this is the guy that Jesus called to lead the church. And I identify, he did most of the things wrong. But Jesus looked at Peter and one time he says, who, who do you guys say that I am? And uh, we have this verse for you. And he says, well, I say that you're the Lord. And, and Jesus said to him, great, Simon, you, uh, you shall be called Peter, which means the rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And all of the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. For whatever you forbid on earth will be forbid forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on this earth will be permitted in heaven. W what I mean is um, by this point that I'm trying to say is that I think that there's something to be said about identity. If you're going to do great things on this earth, you first have to buy into who you now are. It comes with being born again. It comes with taking off everything that happened in yesteryear and putting on all of today. Why? We went to um, Disney uh, uh, the other day with my kids, and my son was, is still so fearful of going on a roller coaster that he won't do one including the little baby ones. Now, he's eight, so, I mean, he gets a pass, right? But it's frustrating as his father, who wants, if you don't, and some of you know my, my son, my son is the most enthusiastic human being on the face of the earth. Enthusiasm is who he is with everything that he does. He loves fun. 
all the time, every second of the day. And uh, I'm like, son, this roller coaster was designed for you. Like it is enthusiasm. It is fun, like embodied. And and he's like, no, I don't want to do it. And as a father, it's hard because it frustrates me because I know that this is something that will be good for him. And it scares the pejeebers out of him to the point where he won't enjoy what I want to have for his life. And he's put his foot down. Now, Many of us do the same thing where we refuse to become who God is making us to be and therefore we don't enter into what we're supposed to do. Now, if he doesn't trust me and he doesn't become my son and I can't lead him, he can't enjoy what I have for him. So we went to Disney and walked around for four hours and we came home and we did nothing. I was so angry at him when I left. And I feel like maybe that's the heart of God. What I'm telling you is that like as a doctor, like if you, if you want to heal people and you become a doctor, you have to recognize that once you get your title, you've gone through school for years and years, you get this title and that hospital gives you the authority to walk into a room and everyone obeys your command and now you, everything rides on you. You're the one who's going to fix this situation. What is God calling you to? What situation are you, is he putting you in that you're the doctor, that you're the one who has the healing hands in the situation to make change? Because if you don't wear, can you imagine a doctor that goes into a, surgis, a surgeon room? Surgery. And doesn't want to wear the responsibility of that. There's an identity crisis there. And I think that there's an identity crisis in the body of Christ and it's preventing us from believing that we're capable of greater things. And it all starts with being born again. We have to take off yesterday and put on today. And so I thought of some things that God calls us that we are not wearing. Here are some names that I believe Jesus says we are. One, I believe we are the beloved. I believe that we're the bride of Christ. That's important because if I'm ever going to be a bride to anyone else or I'm ever going to step into a relationship of someone else, I can't teach my wife how to receive love if I am not first going to be the... Men, you have to wear the dress. You are also the bride of Christ. And if you aren't willing to be loved by God and let Him love you, you'll never know how to love someone else. All of us. There are many people in this room today that feel broken, rejected, and alone. And this is not... God's design. And so if we don't take that off and put on our new identity, we'll never see greater things because there won't be greater relationships ahead because we still don't feel loved. But it's not the other person's job to make us feel loved. Jesus said that it would be his because you're his bride. And I thought about sons and daughters. I thought about how many times in my life that I felt had had been rejected or there had been shame or condemnation or I wasn't good enough. And I wanted someone to recognize that there was greatness in me. And so there's all this broken in my past that's going on. And it's because I feel alone. And I thought, you know what? I'm adopted. That's what the scripture says. That I'm I'm adopted. That I'm not just an heir of, I'm a joint heir with Christ. Hear this. This is Romans chapter 9. This is absolutely, 8, I'm sorry. This is absolutely crazy. The apostle Paul said that you are a joint heir with Christ. That is an authority and a responsibility that is absolutely mind-blowing to me. Because what Jesus said is that, Behold, I am giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. 
That whatever door you open, it will, it will be open. Whatever door you close, it'll close. And so many of us have keys, and we're afraid to unlock them because I, I've done things in the past that didn't work, and, blah, 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 blah. and so we don't want to try anymore. And it's hard. You're the sons and daughters of God. There's an authority in you. you we are more than conquerors. If we don't buy into this, nothing greater happens. Because what he's put on us, we don't believe. And I think that there's this pushback because there's this, what we see on Facebook and in social media is that other people do great things. Not me. You don't get it. You're the salt and the light of the world. And if you won't become, then you won't do greater things. But I believe Jesus is asking many of us to follow him and to put on a new identity. Does this make sense? I thought about this is really dumb, but I like it, and so it means a lot to me, and so I'm going to tell you about it because I'm the pastor, and I get a couple minutes to talk. This is me exaggerating. <laughs> it's, in, it's not exaggerating. This is me adding stuff. It's probably going to make me go long, but it's, I like it. In football today, there, is, um, there was the draft a couple months ago, and there were some quarterbacks that were taken in the draft, and uh, these quarterbacks are going to be the face of the, of the franchise, hoping to carry a team to greatness for years and years to come. But, you know, they get time to develop in most teams because they have a backup that they put out first. They know this guy's going to be terrible, but they, they let him be terrible so the rookie can learn what it's like to be terrible, and hopefully he gets better watching someone else be terrible. Does that make sense? The Giants, the greatest football team in the world of football, right? Of New York football. They drafted this guy recently called Saquon Barkley, and he's a stud. Like, this guy's he's awesome. And I can talk to you about hours for him. But his, he doesn't get time to ride the bench. His job, week one, is make this team great. There are 53 players on a team, 52 players on a team, and you have to make our organization work or we fail. That is a lot to put on a 21-year-old kid. But if he doesn't walk into the league saying, I can make them great, and we can trick ourselves into what we can do and what we can't do. And so as you're thinking about your finances and your leadership and you're thinking about the relationship that you want to have or the relationship you want it to become again. Or you're thinking about the call of God that's on your life and the people that you can reach and the signs and wonders you want to do. If you don't buy into wholeheartedly what Jesus is saying, it won't happen. I am more than a conqueror. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. And this is not baloney. It's either everything that we believe or nothing. But I'm telling you, if there's one thing that I can tell you with every fiber of my being, the people that do this sometimes, it's, it's like you might as well not do it at all. Because that sounds harsh, I know. But Jesus is talking about like you're either lukewarm or you're on fire. But if you're lukewarm, you might as well be cold. Because you're not. This is a wholehearted gospel. The greatest call of God is to love God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our body, all of our strength. He's jealous of us. He wants us. He wants our affection. He gave everything for us. I'm rambling. I have to keep going. Point number two. I have four points. Um, does that make sense so far? If you're going to do greater things, you've got to become a new identity. You've got to put on whatever God is calling you to put on. 
And I don't know what it, it's either your finances or something that he's calling you to do, but you've got to buy into a title that God's giving you. Number two, um, greater things has a fight. I, I'm thinking about this. There's this time that Peter, um, he's, he's, he's walking. And I remember said, Jesus, Peter always said wrong things. He always did wrong things. But there's this, this moment they have over this fire pit. I don't know why it's a fire pit. I think it's a fire pit. It probably wasn't, but it just makes more sense to me that it's a fire pit there. Uh, but uh, so Peter and Jesus uh, have this contact, and Jesus looks over at, at Peter, and he says, Simon, Simon, I, I got to tell you something. Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith would not fail. So when you've repented and you turn to me again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you, even to die with you. I love this. Satan intended to sift you like wheat. All of you is what he said. Now, just as much as I, would, I want to prophesy to you today and tell you that God has a plan for your life, I want to tell you today that the enemy has a plan for your life. And he would cause that to be destruction. He would cause that to, to, to he would take from you and rob from you and lie to you. And he would also just derail you and distract you and keep you from doing anything great. I think one of the greatest tricks the enemy pulls today is, is, uh, is convincing the world that he doesn't exist. It's, 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 it's making Christians bored. It's, it's creating so many distractions in our life that if you do, uh, it, it, they say if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. I think the enemy's got a lot of us running in circles with no specific ambition of what we want to do in our life. And it's a total sham. Satan intended to sift you like wheat. And you know what I realize is that many of us have talked ourselves out of the ability to do great things. And uh, it's hard. It's hard that some of you don't believe that you can or that you're capable. That God wants to use the person sitting next to you, but he can't use you. That the other person next to you has greater leadership than you do or can speak better than you can or can, 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 has more money than you have, or has greater abilities or strengths, or is better looking, or can, and, it's, and he gets us with a comparison game, looking at each other, and, and we forget. The call of God is on you. You, 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 you are called to do greater things. He wants you. He's put his spirit inside of you. You can. He wants you to. He died that you would inherit the ability to. And his spirit is at work in your life so you can. Now, I don't know what it is that God's calling you to do. In my life, I want to see signs and wonders. In my life, I want to see people saved. In my life, I want to reach the lost. I want to reach the hurting. And I want to reach the broken. And when I find people that are broken, I get so angry and I get so involved in their life, I, I, I don't want to let go. I don't want them to give up. You can't give up. And, and they, get, they get frustrated with me. And that's fine because they want to give up but I don't want to let them. What do you want to do? There's going to be a fight. When, when, when Jesus looked at Peter and he says, Satan intended to sift you like wheat, what that meant was there was some hardship that dude went through. Uh, point number three is uh, this. I think I'm just going to go to point number three. Yeah, we'll go to point number three. No, there's other people. A lot of people in scripture went through hardship. Abraham did. He went through some tough testing and some tough fights. The Apostle Paul, beaten with rods, st stones thrown at him, 
Many sleepless nights without clothes, food. I mean, dude, dude had hardship. You, you think it's bad when your car breaks down. Dude's ship broke down in the middle of an ocean multiple times. He went through hardship. Jesus went through hardship. And you're going to go through hardship. Point number three is this. Uh, if God is calling you to do greater things, when I read this verse, I'm going to go back. Um, you're going to have some failures. When I read this verse where Jesus says that you will do greater things than me, what I think that many of us connect to is that we connect, I'm supposed to bat a thousand every time. It's just not going to work that way. Like, I believe that God called me into a great marriage with my wife. I want you all to know, you all see me and her smiling and it's not always like butterflies and rainbows at my house. You know what I'm talking about? Like there are hard times and that's not bad. And so there are times in my life where I've prayed for people and I didn't see the results that I wanted. And so when Jesus says that you can ask anything in my name and it will be done, it doesn't mean that it happens a thousand percent of the time. We went fishing the other day with a friend and he was talking about um, what it means to master something. And he, and he was talking about how he read this book and, and he said that if you're willing to master something, you're willing to do it 10,000 times. And I thought about that and I was like, I wonder how many, no, 10,000 hours of doing something is what it takes to perfect a craft. And you know, it was pretty neat. I, I wrote down this week all my devotion hours and how many hours I've spent preaching just in the last 12 years and how many hours I generally prepare in prayer before I get out here to talk every week. Like you guys think I'm just rambling. I am just rambling. But I'm rambling because I've got a heart before I got here. Like I, every morning, uh, my wife thinks I'm crazy. I try to get up at 3. This morning I got up at like 3.45. I hit the snooze button like six times. But um, I pray to try to grab God's heart before we get together. It was pretty neat to see that I had surpassed 10,000 hours of prayer in my life over the last 15 years praying that God would perfect the ability to reach the lost. I thought that was, like, I was proud of that. Are you willing to put 10,000 hours into finding a result? Because that's what it takes. I've prayed for people that were deaf and I didn't see results. I've prayed for people that were deaf and I've saw results. I've prayed for people with broken bones and I've seen them healed. And I've seen sometimes where it didn't work. I've prayed for my wife about 1,500 million times. She has some problems in her bones and in her head. I mean, you know, she's just crazy in her head. And that ain't never worked yet. I'm just kidding. Okay, Lord, I apologize. She ain't here, so I can make fun of her when she brought her back. And then, um, but I, I thought of this, you know, how many times I, I want to see the lost saved. I've been rejected again and again and again and again with the gospel. And I'm going to keep being rejected. But that doesn't mean that I'm failing. Let me show you a quick video. I think it's pretty rad about someone who, um, the video's called Failure, if you Google it. It's pretty rad. I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. Wow. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. Like, 
as a dad, I can tell my son, it's going to be great when you ride your bike. But I know that I know that I know that it's not going to come easy learning to ride his bike. In fact, even when I get him to ride his bike, I know, and all of y'all know, that he's going to fall down when I'm not there, and he's going to scrape his knee, and he's going to hit his head, and there's going to be, there's going to be bumps and bruises in life. It's going to be bumps and bruises in relationships. But it doesn't mean that we're still not called to greatness. And it doesn't mean that we're not great when we fall. And so Jesus called Peter the rock, right? He looked at this guy who was a bad fisherman and decided to take someone who was awful at one trade and say, you know what, bad fisherman? Like you would think that he would find someone that was a great fisherman and make him a great fisherman. But he's like, no, I'm bad fisherman. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Okay. Then he looked over at Peter and he says, hey, Peter, uh, you are the rock in which I'll build my church. That same Peter, Jesus also looked at about a week later before he called him the rock, and he said, Satan, get behind me. What? Jesus called Peter Satan and said, like, you suck. Shut up. Get out of here. That's awesome. And that means that if Peter could say the wrong things, I could say the wrong things, and you could say the wrong things. You know what else? In the same verse where he's like calling him the rock and he says like, hey, you're on the gates of hell. It won't prevail against you. You're going to build my church. It's going to be great. Peter's like, you know what, Lord? I'll do anything for you. And he's like, no, Peter. In fact, you're going to deny me three times. Three times. You're going to deny that you even know me. You're saying you're going to go to jail for me and you'll die for me? Nope. You're going to tell people that you don't know who I am and that you never heard of me. And what's really wonderful about that encounter with Peter and denying Jesus three times is that 40 days later, he led the greatest outreach in history of man up to that point and saw 3,000 people converted. So Jesus can take someone that is a failure, that does fail, that does miss it, and still call them to do great things. And I think many of us are saying, I've dropped the ball, and I've missed up, and I, I can't do, and I want you to know it's part of practice. There is no one that comes out looking like Will Doyle, born. You know what I mean? Like, he's not here today, so I like talking about people when they're not. Will Doyle is the guy that, he's like, hey, stand up back there. Dave, stand up. You're chiseled. You look like Will Doyle a little bit. You know, he, he didn't get to that. Like, I saw pictures of him when he was, like, not so that, you know? <laughs> Sit down. That was good. You're good. It, it takes failure. It takes repetition. It takes practice. And if you want to pray for the sick and see people healed, be willing to pray in faith, standing on the word of God, and fail. It will get better. You will get better. It will happen. It will happen. It will happen. Or if you don't, it won't. Because here's the reality. You can pray for someone and nothing happen. But if you don't pray for them, guess what's not going to happen? Nothing. So if you want to be a business leader and you stop trying, guess what's not going to happen? If you want your finances to explode and you don't manage them, guess what's not going to happen? If you want to excel in relationships, but you don't make it a focus in your life, guess what's not going to happen? If you want to be great at anything, but you don't work to make it great and fight to make it great and be willing to fail to make it great, it won't be great. And I think some of us are scared of trying. And I don't know why. Because the God that walks with us is not afraid of you failing. 
Like you're not going to mess up and give him a bad name. The church has done that for years and we're still succeeding. I mean, like, the church is a dumpster fire for the most part across America right now and we're exploding. Jesus is going to take care of his own name. All you got to do is stand and, 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 and be you. Just try. Just try. Like, he's willing to use the foolish things in this world to confound the wise. So be willing to be dumb and wrong and not know how to do it right, and you'll learn. But when you don't try and you stop believing, you won't be. And I take it back to that first verse that I read earlier in Matthew where he said about how... Um, I'm going to read it to you. Uh, for many, uh, nope, most assuredly I say to you that he who believes in me, the works that I do, greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. The only thing you got to do is believe. When I think about what he said to, in, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 and 19, and I say to you, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. I'll give you the keys. Uh, that wasn't the verse I was going to read. Anyway, it's about believing. You got to believe. 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 Because if you don't believe, You won't. And if these kids going into football today don't believe in their ability to, 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 to play, they won't be great. And if you live with an insecurity, man, you just gotta, you gotta allow him to have his work in you. And so I'm not even telling you you have to become anyone. I'm just telling you you have to believe when we say that you're important to him. And that he died for you. So you would be great. And if you wear that and you say that and you believe that, there is something that happens to someone that believes that they're loved and valued and appreciated. Strength and courage and boldness rises up inside of us. And we'll be the most beautiful shining thing on the face of this earth. Rich, would you come? I'm going to read one more verse. My last point today is this. Somewhere around here. Um, yeah. My point four is that is, is greater is in him. So I, I said that uh, greater has a name. I, I said that greater has a fight. I, I said that greater has a, um, will have failures. But I, I believe that greater is in him. And here's what I mean by that. I, I don't, I don't think that God is calling you to do anything good outside of him. And here's what I mean by that. You, you, can, you can meet someone that is absolutely wonderful, but if God isn't in it, in the center of it, you can destroy it. God, I don't believe that God wants you to excel financially and become a great leader and do great wonderful things if he's not in it. Because you can succeed financially and become a great name for yourself and become a dumpster fire. Look at Robin Williams. I mean, what a success. What a failure. I think about people like, I, I think God wants to be the center of everything that's in your life. Your greatness is in him. Here's a cool verse that sums up a lot of the Gospels. It says this, it says that um, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these things shall be added to you. That great thing you want to do, I challenge you to go after God in wholehearted surrender. 
but I want to make sure I prophesy over you real quick. You are loved. And there's a call of God on your life. God has a purpose for your life. And he wants to use you to do mighty things on this earth. You can, and you are loved, and you are special, and you're not rejected, and you're not alone, and you are wise, and you're beautiful, and you're perfect, and you're strong, and you're capable, and you're mighty, and you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus.